Amen. Thank you, Daniel. Let's take our Bibles this morning, please. Turn to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. And we're going to look at a passage of Scripture. Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 29. And uh, the title of the message this morning, with God's help, A Mother's Plea to Jesus. A Mother's Plea to Jesus. Matthew chapter 15, we'll begin reading in verse 21. Then Jesus went thence and departed in the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. Understand where we are in Scripture here. The Lord Jesus Christ is not walking in Israel. He's gone to the coast of Tyre and Sidon, and perhaps in your Bible there's some headings at each paragraph, I, I don't know, but uh, often it'll say here the plea of, the, Tyre, uh, of the, the Syrophoenician woman. She was not a Jewish woman who came to the Lord Jesus Christ. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil." But he answered her not a word, and his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Let me read that again. I left a word out. It's important. I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. And Jesus departed from thence and came nigh unto the Sea of Galilee And went up into a mountain and sat down there. Let's pray. Our Father, we love you. And we do thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be here today to open up the Word of God. We pray that you speak to our hearts. Lord, this is a difficult passage. To hear some of the remarks of the Lord Jesus Christ and to understand what is taking place sometimes cuts to our heart. Lord, to hear him use an illustration that refers to a dog. But Lord, I pray that we wouldn't tune out too quickly, that we'd understand that the Lord is teaching some principles here and testing a woman's faith. So Lord, I pray that you'd help us to see it, to understand it, to comprehend it, that the Holy Spirit of God would work it into our hearts. And Father, help us to see the bigger picture of a mother that would stop at no ends to be a help to her child. Father, I pray, Lord, that you'd give us that same heart for our children, to love them, to pray for them, to bring them to Jesus. So, Father, we surrender to you and ask that your Holy Spirit would fill us and help us to understand the Word of God today. Bless your Word, we pray. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, in the last almost 27 years of ministry, I've observed many times where people will thumb their nose at God until they desperately need him. So many have come to the point in their life where they're diagnosed with a terrible disease and then they'll turn to Jesus. 
Others will have great needs in their life and perhaps it's the loss of a loved one and they cry out to Jesus and it's only a temporary fix. It gets them through a rough patch and and the Lord Jesus is so gracious that he comes and ministers to their need in that hour even though he knows that they will eventually turn away from him again. We have seen that time and time again. This passage may be indicative of such a woman, I do not know. The Bible does not tell us what happened after her daughter was healed. But nonetheless, there was a time of great tragedy, a great need in her life. And the Bible says that she had a daughter that was grievously vexed with the devil. And this Syrophoenician woman came out of the coast of Canaan and she met the Lord Jesus Christ as he was ministering in the coast of Tyre and Sidon. Understand this, Jesus would himself say, I was, I came, I was not, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And yet here he was in a Gentile area ministering to people and helping people. And no doubt there were Jews there, but he did not tune out others in his ministry. And as she came and met the Lord Jesus Christ, we observed some things about her life. And I I just want to talk to you for a few moments this morning, first of all, about a mother's trouble. A mother's trouble. We're going to look at her testing and her triumph later on, but just to to lay out the picture for you this morning, let's, let's talk about her trouble. And we notice, first of all, it's a borrowed trouble. It's a borrowed trouble. The Bible says, when Jesus thence went thence and departed on the coast of Tyre and Sidon, behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. This woman was in pain. As a matter of fact, later on in verse 25, she'd say, Lord, help me, because of the trouble that was borrowed from her daughter. The Bible does not indicate that this woman had any health issues of her own, that she did not have any spiritual issues of her own as far as being possessed by devils like her daughter was. We don't know if she was a saved woman, but the Bible indicates that she had faith in Christ and she knew that he was the son of David, which is a title for the Messiah. There was something about this lady, it's something that had happened in her life that brought her to understand that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, he was the son of David, and that she could go to him for healing power, and that he had the ability to cast out the demons from her daughter. So I would say to you this morning, the trouble was not her own, but it was borrowed from her daughter. If I could have the attention of any kids here today, and we're all kids, we all have parents, unless yours have gone to heaven. We, we sometimes got the idea, I think, when we were younger that we thought, well, when our kids are grown up, we'll stop worrying. We'll stop needing to be there for every little thing. But I, I've come to understand as a father that I have kids in my 20s. I have three children in their 20s. And, and I understand that the burden never leaves. There's a borrowed trouble that comes, and when your children hurt, you hurt. And, and so, young people, let me tell you this this morning. you got parents that love you and pray for you. Be thankful for that because it is a borrowed trouble. You're keeping it upon them, and it's not always intentional. It's not always because you're in trouble, but instead, the pain that you suffer and the, the disease that you have and all these things that are going on in our lives are, are heaped upon the parents. But any good parent is thankful to be able to pray for their children. I believe this woman 
heard that Jesus Christ was coming into her area. And perhaps that's the reason Jesus came into her area. Because the Bible says he would depart from there immediately and go into the coast of Galilee and go there and sit down or rest and pray. But for this one woman, he would come and minister to her needs. But her trouble was a borrowed trouble. We notice, secondly, it was also a burden. Her trouble was a burden. Her prayer was, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. You know, it's interesting. She didn't say, Lord, help my daughter. She said, Lord, help me. I don't believe it was a selfish prayer at all. Instead, she was saying, the the pain that my daughter feels, I feel it so intensely as well. And I understand that in order to help me, you must help my daughter. And so she came and she says, I need your help, Lord. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil and God, would you help me? If you were to turn to Exodus 32, and we won't today, but if you were to read the prayer of Moses, the Bible says he came down from the mount and they heard the sound of parting and reveling in the camp. And of course, they had made a golden calf and they were worshiping it. And and Moses was grieved in his heart and he began to pray. And if you were to read that prayer, you would think that Moses was praying for himself, but he wasn't. Because the burden of the house of Israel was also Moses' burden. The burden of a child is also the burden of a mother. And so she prayed. And she said, Lord, help me. That was the mother's trouble. She had no apparent reason to go to the Lord on her own other than salvation. She did not have a disease tormenting her body. She did not have demons that were afflicting her. She did not seem to need much guidance. She had already come to a knowledge that Jesus Christ was the son of David. He was the Messiah. And Jesus would later say to her that she had great faith. And so this woman was on the right track. But her trouble was the trouble of her daughter. But then we see in her request a mother's testing. A mother's testing. Notice in verse 23 it says, But he answered her, not a word. This doesn't seem or sound like Jesus. When I read this passage, I grappled with it and I struggled with it. And I've read it many times before. We read it and we kind of just think through it and read it quickly and we move on to the next passage but when you stop to study it and preach about it it it, it grieved my heart a little bit to think that Jesus would not answer it was the disciples that were often guilty of not answering it was the disciples that would silence blind Bartimaeus on the roadside as he cried out to Jesus but Jesus through the roar of the crowd still heard his cries It was Jesus that noticed the disciples out in the middle of the wind and the waves and saw them, the Bible says he saw them toiling and rowing and he knew their needs even though they were so far away in the dark and and in the middle of a storm, Jesus could see them and he knew what they needed and yet he answered not this woman. I've called it this, the test of silent delays. The test of silent delays. I believe we'll find four tests 
Four times the Lord Jesus Christ will test this woman's faith to see if she's genuine. And I believe it's likely because he knows, Jesus knows, that many would come to him and use him for a moment and get what they needed and then turn their backs on Christ. The Bible talks about many who would follow him for a time, but after these hard sayings, they turned back and followed him no more. And maybe you're listening today and maybe you're part of that crowd and maybe you've tuned in today because you say, I'm sick of this pandemic and I'm tired of these lockdowns and I'm discouraged and I'm depressed and I, maybe I need to go back to that church that I grew up in. Maybe I need to tune into a service and I'm listening today because I'm discouraged. And so God is setting out to test this woman to see if her faith is genuine. And the first test we see is the test of silent delays. He answered her not at all. Not a word. He was quiet. Have you ever prayed and not got your answer? Mary and Martha called upon the Lord Jesus Christ while Lazarus was sick. And yet by the time he showed up, he'd been dead for four days. It was a tragedy that had taken place in their lives, and the Lord Jesus Christ did not send a message. He did not uh, afford an answer to say, yes, I'm coming, and I will take care of the need when I get there. And don't worry if anything happens, because I can bring him back from the dead. He never afforded any type of message, any type of comfort. Instead, they waited in silence for four days, and they ran to Jesus and said, if you had been here, our brother had not died. Jesus told his disciples, I'm glad I was not there for your sakes, that you might see the power of God. See, sometimes when the Lord is silent and he delays things in our lives, he is testing our faith to see if we will keep praying, to see if we'll be persistent, to see if we'll keep crying out to the Lord. And the Bible says she did just that. The Bible says he cried out to her and he answered her not. And the disciples came and besought him saying, send her away for she crieth after us. We're sick of hearing this woman. Lord, please send her away. She wouldn't give up. She didn't let the silence discourage her. Some of you have prayed many years for your children. Could I encourage you, don't let the silence discourage you. Just keep praying. Keep seeking the Lord. The Lord is at work even when we cannot see or hear him. And know that God is in control. Here's the second test I see in this passage. This this one bothers me. The test of selfish disciples. In verse 23, they said... Send her away. Send her away, for she crieth after us. She's following us around. She keeps crying out like we can do something. She's already asked you, and you haven't answered her. Lord, send her away. The truth is this. People who turn away from following Jesus don't turn away because of Jesus. They turn away because of his disciples, because of his followers, because of his ambassadors, those who represent Christ. I've never ever heard anybody say, well, I used to go to Bethel Baptist Church, but I don't go there anymore because Jesus failed me. They say, I don't go there anymore because the people gossip. They don't come here anymore because people have been unkind, because people judged me. And that's what was going on in this passage. Do you know the Lord is aware of that? He knows we're all sinners. He knows we're weak and frail. 
He knows that we make mistakes. So he allows this testing to take place. Does this woman care enough about her child? Does she have enough faith that even when it's silent and things are being delayed and even when there's some selfish disciples who are thinking only about themselves, will she persevere? Will she push forward? I wonder how many we have turned away. How many's faith we have hurt. Then there's a third test. I've called this the test of serious disappointments. Look at verse 24. But he answered and said, he finally answered because the disciples were begging him, answer her, send her away, do something, Lord. And he answered her and said, I am not sent, but on the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Let me paraphrase that. What I have come to do, it is not for you, lady. I can't help you. That is not my calling. That is not my specialty. That is not my ministry. It's almost like a specialized doctor. We go to the doctor and the doctor says, I can't help you. I need to send you somewhere else. You need to go and have this test at a cardiologist or an oncologist or some other type of doctor that may be able to help you. But uh, that is not my calling. I can't help you right now. And Jesus said to her, I'm not, I'm not sent unto you. I've come to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I'm sure it was a serious disappointment. Now she's really being tested. The disciples, can can I just say this? We're being jerks. That's what they were. I know we put them up and we put St. Matthew and St. Peter and we put halos on their head and on our stained glass windows, but they were flesh and blood and they were treating this woman poorly. The Lord Jesus Christ had been silent to this point And when he did answer her, it was with serious disappointment. She cried out, O son of David, but she had no right to cry unto a Messiah that was not hers. The test of serious disappointments. Maybe you've been disappointed. Maybe you've prayed and sought God and pleaded with God for your children and the answer came, but it was not what you were hoping for. What a test of faith. Look at the fourth test. The test of stolen dignity. The test of stolen dignity. Look at verse 26. But he answered and said, It is not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. Notice what the woman did in verse 25. After Jesus said, I've, I've come only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I'm not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. This woman just laid her soul bare. She'd been tested three times already by selfish disciples, by silent, uh, by silent delays, and, and by serious disappointment. But now she just laid her soul bare and worshipped the Lord and said, help me. Help me. And his answer was, it's not me to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. She'd already humbled herself 
Now her dignity was stolen. For most of us, that would embarrass us terribly. Now, I want you to understand something. I do not believe for a moment the Lord Jesus Christ was calling her a dog. That's what the Pharisees did. The Pharisees would refer to the Gentiles as dogs. Dogs. This word for dogs in the Greek is not the same as a mangy mutt that would roam the streets and scavenge for food. That's the word dogs that the Pharisees would use. This was an illustration. This was a word for a house pet or a beloved pet. And Jesus is saying it's, it, it, there's, there's those that eat at the table and then there's the beloved pet that isn't allowed at the table. And as we read the scripture, it seems very unkind. And, and the point was Jesus Christ was making an illustration. He's saying the, 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 the children of the house of Israel, they, they sit at the table. They're ones that I've come to be the bread of life for. They're the ones that I've come to, 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 to serve and to, to, to help and to be their Messiah. And he's testing her faith knowing that Jesus came for the sins of the whole world. He's just testing her faith. And he uses this illustration that comes across very unkind. And yet I don't believe he was insulting her. But yet, nonetheless, the woman knew for a fact that she was the dog in the illustration. Because she says in verse 27, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. I just need a little. Just give me a crumb. Her dignity was gone. So many times we, we fail to humble ourselves for fear that while we're down there bowing before the Lord, somebody's going to step on us. Yeah. Isn't that true? I mean, I'm looking at four people here, but if there was 400 here, I think we would attest that sometimes we're afraid to go down to an altar because what's somebody going to think? I have to humble myself to walk down to that old-fashioned altar and plead with God, and, and sometimes people are down here and they're weeping before God, and you know that if you go and you pray about that thing that's on your heart and you pray for your children at an altar, that your heart's going to break and you're going to weep in front of the church, and, and you think, maybe while I'm down there, somebody's just going to steal my dignity. It's often our pride that keeps us from doing that. The truth is, I hope that some would come and pray alongside that one. This woman's dignity was gone. There was nothing left. And yet she looked at the Lord and said, I just want a crumb. Fine, if I'm a dog, if I'm the dog in your illustration, Lord, that's okay. I just need a crumb. I beg you, I plead with you. Let me have something for my daughter. I wonder how many of us would humble ourselves to that degree to find a change take place in our children. To see them saved. To see them grow. To see them serve. A mother's testing was great. But I want you to see a mother's triumph. Look at the last couple verses here. A mother's triumph. I want to take you back to verse 25 and show you where she started to win. Now, I believe she started to win when she came to Jesus in the first place. But you know, it's not just that we come to Jesus, it's how we come to Jesus. 
Notice it says in verse 25, then came she and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. I call this a holy praise. A holy praise. Somehow this woman would have been shielded from the truths of the Old Testament. She was a Syrophoenician woman. She was from Tyre and Sidon. She, she would not have necessarily known much about the Old Testament. Oh, she would have got tidbits. She would have understood a little bit of the Jewish culture living so closely. But she wouldn't have been schooled and memorized the Pentateuch and understood the teachings of, of the, the rabbis and such. She, she wouldn't have had religious education the same as the Jews did. And yet she understood enough that if this is the son of David I should worship him he is the Messiah and so she came and I believe she fell at his feet and she worshiped him and you say where does it say it says that she worshiped him but I don't see anything that says she worshiped him or how she worshiped him here's how she worshiped him she said Lord help me she was confessing to the Lord I cannot do this on my own I need God Somebody said that prayer is the highest form of worship. For we're committing all our cares to him. And that's exactly what he wants us to do. Giving it all to him. We see a holy praise. You know, listen, if you want to see change take place in your family, worship God. Worship God. Fall on your face and praise him and glorify him. I was so thankful this morning. I, I was in my office and I, I was preparing while you were in Sunday school. I just, I kind of steal away. I, I, I get into the Sunday school class and I hear stuff and, it, and it, it starts cultivating in my mind and changes my message. And so I have to be careful at what I feed myself. But I was in there and I, I wanted to put on some church. I was, had some different church services playing and just catching their music services and things while I was reading and praying. And, and uh, Solid Rock had their choir in for the first time in a year. And man, I'm going to tell you, when, when folks haven't sang like that in a year and they get to sing, and guess what they sang? Behold our God. They, they couldn't finish the song. They were weeping, and then they, had to, they got up at the end. They said, listen, let's sing, that next, let's sing that second verse again. They sang it again, and man, people were going to the altar. There's something about worship, something about worship that brings us to a place where God can work in our lives. The Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. And we see a holy praise. I'm talking about her triumph. Here's the second thing, a humble prayer. Humble prayer, her humility just screams to us from this passage. As she humbled herself before God, and she says, God, if I'm the dog in the so be it, I don't care. I just want a crumb. I just need the hem of your garment. I just, I don't need to be noticed. I don't need to be praised. We don't know this woman's name. All I want is something for my daughter. Verse 25, her prayer was simple, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Verse 27, she said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Her prayer was not pretentious in any way. She just said, God, I need help and I need a crumb. I need something from the master's table. It was a humble prayer. Sometimes our problem is we think too much of ourselves. The Pharisee would stand in the temple and pray and thank God that he was not like the publican while the publican beat his chest, saying, God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. And Jesus was pleased with him. 
Her prayer was humble. Because we ought not think that we are something we are not. But instead, confess our faults unto God and let God work through our praise and our prayer. But then we see she had a heartbroken persistence. How many tests did she go through? How many times would she be turned away? How many times would we have been turned away? When we ask the Lord and remain silent, do we give up? When we run into some selfish disciples, do we say, well, I've had it with that church and I'm not going to pray anymore and I'm not going to worship God? When we run into some serious disappointments, do we turn away? Were we only holding on for the answer we wanted? How about when our dignity is stolen? But this woman persisted over and over and over. When she couldn't get an answer from the Lord, she pursued the disciples. I need help. Somebody get a message to the Lord. She had a heartbroken persistence. And notice what the Lord Jesus did in verse 28. Whole woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. Do you know what that is? That's a blank check. That's what it is. We got a couple ladies here, Judy and Ida. How would you like it if Rob and I said to you, listen, go shopping, go to a spa, take a ladies weekend. Here's a blank check. Here's a credit card with an unlimited amount. Go. I don't know if you'd like that or not, but I, I think, man, that'd be nice to have a blank check. I often, I often think, I honestly do, I often think, what would it be like for Bethel Baptist Church if we had unlimited resources, that we could do whatever we needed to do, whatever we wanted to do for the glory of God. Can you imagine what could be accomplished? Here's the truth, we do. We have a God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And he said to this woman, be it unto thee even as whatever you want. Whatever you want, you can have it. Because great is your faith. I wonder if she left there thinking, man, why did I only ask for my daughter? Why didn't I ask for my other kids and my husband and our home? And... Because we have a big God who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. It was her heartbroken persistence that the Lord rewarded. O oh, woman, great is thy faith. Let me give you some conclusions and we're done. Number one, we need moms and dads. We need moms and dads who will bring their cares and their troubles to the master. Who boldly hold their children up before God in his care. If I'd encourage you and remind you, and you know this, folks, I know you pray for your kids. But I, I, I don't know, it seems like it's a different world that they're growing up in even than we grew up in 30 years ago. There's so much more that, that, that comes across that, that I thought, man, I never thought I'd see the day. Things that are so backwards and out of control that we have a world that says, yeah, no, no abortion is right. It's immoral to, to outlaw abortion. I always thought it was immoral to abort a living child. What a terrible thing. It's immoral. To call homosexuality sin. My Bible says it's immoral to practice homosexuality. 
They'll call evil good and they'll call good evil. And things are so backwards today and our children need prayer more than ever if they're going to survive. Here's another thing we draw from it. We need perseverance in our faith. If your faith cannot be tested, it will not endure. If your faith cannot be tested, if you give up when you hear silence, when you give up when other disciples are not behaving properly, if we give up so easily, what kind of faith do we really have? We need to keep praying, keep pleading with God. And then I just wanted to say this as a third conclusion. The greatest concern of a mother, a Christian mother, is the salvation of her children. That's all this woman cared about. She was shunned. She was insulted. She was put away by the disciples. And yet she just kept going. Why? Because she wanted her daughter to be saved. Saved from these demons that plagued her. I think we ought to maybe re- focus some things in our lives and say, listen, my single goal is I want to see all my children saved. Oh, I can have other ambitions after, but right now, number one, I need my children to be saved. I saw this poem this week when I was looking for different things about moms. I think oftentimes as the night draws near of an old house on the hill, where the children played at will. And when the night at last came down, hushing the, ver- the merry din, mother would look around and ask, are all the children in? Just many and many a year since then, in the old house on the hill, no longer echoes to childish feet, and the yard is still so still. But I see it all as the shadows creep, and though many the years have been, Since then, I can hear my mother ask, are all the children in? I wonder if when the shadows fall on the last short earthly day, when we say goodbye to the world outside, all tired with our childish play, when we step out into that other land where mother so long has been, will we hear her ask just as of old, are all the children in? Why, I hope when I get to heaven, all my children are there. That'll be the concern of every mom and of every dad listening today. Do my children know Jesus? Am I pleading with God for their very souls like this woman did for the benefit of her child? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes where we are this morning. Let's just take a moment to talk to God and Reflect upon the word of God today. When I think of this woman that was rebuffed so much, was an outsider looking in, and yet her faith was so persistent, so courageous, it rebukes my heart. 